book of 2 Corinthians this morning. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, and uh, I don't know about you, but I've already been blessed today, and the fellowship and the singing, and I'm looking forward to what the Lord has for, for us from His Word. Um, as a pastor, I am constantly uh, seeking the will of God in what to uh, preach to His people each and every service. Uh, I try to be as sensitive as possible uh, to what uh, you need. Um, that's why I, uh, I, I can, if I have several appointments in a week and everybody is dealing with the same issue, then that's probably something that would be good to address and be help everybody. Sometimes you sense that uh, people need to be encouraged, and so I'll bring uh, messages along the, the line of encouragement. Uh, challenged, uh, same thing, and every once in a while, God impresses upon you a message, and you have no idea why He's impressing upon you uh, to preach um, the message that He impresses upon you, and such is the message that I bring today that uh, perhaps may be the beginning of a, uh, a few messages on this subject the next few Sunday mornings. And uh, did I tell you 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians? It is 2 Corinthians. Uh, I just want to make sure that is correct. Uh, but this morning, I'm going, to, um, I'm going to preach on the subject of giving and uh, why I'm a little perplexed when the Lord presses us upon my heart is um, this is a giving church. Um, offerings are up. Gracious giving over the last few years when it comes to our different projects. And so when the Lord impressed this upon me, um, I thought to myself, well, um, either you, there's some who you want to know the blessing of giving and you want to encourage your church to keep giving. Um, but I think we'll be helped today. And it's a good day with our missionary here to see um, how God uses the giving of his people. And uh, some Christians, you could have joy in your heart if you quit making it all about you. We come to church, we want it all to be about us. It's not all about you, it's about him. Well, after him, it's about me. No, after him, it's about, it's about others. Uh, we're way down the list. So what about my needs? If you'll make it about him and you'll make it about others, God will take care of every need that you have. You'd have joy if you served for other people. You'd have joy uh, if you made it not about you. So, well, Pastor, we got needs over here. I, I, I can't even spell the Philippines. Why should I give to it? Because there are souls whom Jesus died for. And it's not all about you and I. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we'll read verses, eight, verses 1 through 9 this morning. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. And so much that we desire Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. 
I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to pr prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. I want you to notice back in verse number 4. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us, notice this, the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. I want to take that phrase there, the fellowship of the ministering to the saints, and that's the title of my message this morning. I want us to look at giving a little bit different. Giving to God's work, giving to others is not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. Now, we don't make no mistake, we as Christians are commanded to give. That is a commandment of God. But it's a great day in the life of a Christian when we don't look at it as a commandment, it's something we get to do. And the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that you would use your word this morning. May you touch hearts today. And Father, I know that you want to use your word this morning. This will transform the life of a Christian. This will transform a church. You can use today us collectively to make a difference in this world. And Father, I pray that there's one unsaved this morning, that first of all, they would get their relationship right with you, and the only way they can do that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that the results, the eternal results of this message today and what your people do as a result of it, uh, that the results today will last throughout eternity. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I read 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, it's a wonderful chapter when it comes to the Christian and the church and giving and the phrase, the fellowship of the ministering to the saints, <clears throat> we're going to focus on that today. Because yes, as God's people and as Christians, we are commanded to give. We are commanded to give as Christ gave, and we know that Christ gave all for you and I. But this morning, I want us to look at this example of the Macedonian churches who were an example in the area of giving. And I want us to notice this phrase, the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. It is important that you and I are involved in evangelism. We're involved in getting the gospel to the lost so that they might be saved. Friend, if you're saved this morning, it's because somebody else was interested in evangelism. So that you might come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important that we are involved with the Great Commission and discipleship, if you were to use that word, in the growth of a Christian. Friend, as a, as a pastor, it's my desire for you to grow in Christ, for you to become more like your Savior. It's important that we're involved in that. But it's important that we are involved in ministering to others, to using our life to affect, in a positive way, the life of somebody else. Now, there's all kinds of ways that you can do that. You can, you can be involved in, in certain uh, uh, social activities, and, and there wouldn't necessarily be anything wrong with that, but nothing makes the difference of God, like God's people through the church being willing to minister to others. Now, we see in the context of this passage of Scripture, there's a fellowship of ministry. There's a fellowship of ministering. <clears throat> Yesterday, uh, many gathered here today, met and then organized and went out and gave the gospel to others, invited others to come 
Maybe you're here this morning because somebody stopped by your house and knocked on your door and invited you to church. That is a, a fellowship of a group of people who went out with the purpose of giving the gospel. There's several fellowships like that, but this fellowship is one of ministering through giving, through the providing of the means so that the gospel could go forth. That word fellowship is a mutual association of persons on equal and and favorable terms. You could say it like this, it's a partnership. It's a joint interest. Uh, There are times when we may not fellowship in one thing, but we can fellowship in another. It's, it's football season here in the South. There's probably some of you who yesterday wouldn't fellowship with some others because of the color of what they may be wearing, but you might would fellowship today. And you might would, we have a, today we have a joint interest. That's why we're here as a fellowship. But there is this fellowship of the ministering of the saint. In verse number four, we see what I believe are two fellowships that are being referenced here. Those that give, those that gave, were part of the work of Paul as he ministered to others. These churches were going to give of their means to the Apostle Paul so that he could take and go to some others and minister to them. Paul is saying, you're part of my fellowship as I go and I do the work that God has called me to do. Now, we have a good illustration of this today because we have a missionary here with us. And as we give, we give to him so that he may go and minister to others. We're part of his fellowship in the ministry and the work that he has been called to do. What an honor for these churches to have a part in what the Apostle Paul was doing. What an honor for these churches that they could not go and they could not do what he could do, but there was a fellowship with his ministry. But I believe there's also a second fellowship, and that is the group of people who were in a partnership to give so that the gospel may go forth, to give so that needs could be met. There are many who are here, many who would name the name of Christ, not just here, but might would gather across this world today, but not everybody is in the fellowship of partnering with somebody else to go and minister to others. Not everybody is even in the fellowship of the ministering of others, as is in the context of our passage of Scripture, because they have not yet got to the place where they see the importance of giving to the work of God. The fellowship of the ministering to the saints. This fellowship was a fellowship that ministered to the saints, to to God's people. A group of believers who, who banded together had a common interest in meeting the needs of others. There's a lot of fellowships you can be a part of. There are political fellowships, and, and we, need to, we, need to, we need to get together and register voters, and I'm not against that. It's just used as an illustration this morning. We, we need to get together and accomplish this. Here's a fellowship. But, friend, we live in a day where there's a scriptural precedence. It's one that we must buy into, and I, I know I'm preaching to a giving church. I know I'm preaching to an above-average church when it comes to giving and sacrificial giving, but we must be reminded that this is a fellowship that has a part in ministering to others, and the result of that is an eternal result. With that in mind, of a fellowship of ministering to the saints, I want us to also look into our text this morning 
And there are several things that I believe uh, will, will also help us and encourage us as we realize the importance of this ministry, uh, as we can minister to the saints. Let me say, number one, the first gift given is a surrendered life. Look at verse number five. In this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. You study, and it's, a, it's, a, it's for another message, but these people, it was in a time of distress that they sacrificed and gave. Why would they do that? Because they gave themselves first. You know why Christians don't give? And I know sometimes we get a little nervous when the preacher is going to talk about giving. We get a little, a little uncomfortable when the preacher is talking about giving. But you know why you get uncomfortable when, when the preacher talks about giving? Because you haven't given yourself first. Because if God has our heart, he has everything about us. I taught for a year uh, last year on stewardship and being a good steward. And God, everything we have, God has given it to us. And we're just to manage it. We're just to take what God has given and manage it so that it can be used to his honor and glory. And friend, you and I must first give ourselves to the Lord. The first gift is a surrendered life. It's a great thing the first time somebody gives to the work of the Lord. Somebody gives to a missions project. Somebody gives. Boy, I get excited about that. Not because I need a certain amount of money, because I know what is going on in the life of that individual. I know what is going on in the heart of that individual. The first gift is a surrendered life. We're talking about this fellowship of the ministering to the saints. What an exclusive club that is being spoken about in this passage of Scripture. But the entry fee to this exclusive club is not an amount of money, but a surrendered life. A surrendered life is required, and it matters not how, how rich or how poor you are, but have you given yourself to God? The widow who gave the two mites that Jesus referred and used her as an object lesson to her disciples, to the disciples. Uh, he, he used her. She was not wealthy, but she had given herself long before she was willing to throw in all she had. See, the problem this morning is not do God's people, can God provide the need? Of, well, why doesn't God just write a check? He has. It's just in the bank accounts of his people. And we must be willing to give ourself to him. See, I'm less concerned as your pastor this morning of the amount that you put in, but whether or not God has your heart. Because if God has your heart, you'll do what he instructs you to do. That's the first gift. The first gift is to give their own self to the Lord. Does God have all of you? Or is there something that has a greater priority in your life? Well, yeah, I, it's a message for another day, but a few chapters over, God talks about how he's a jealous God. He doesn't like anything else to be put in front of him. When God just might remove some things from our life to remind us of where our focus needs to be. With a first... Gift is a surrender life. The greatest thing that you can give to God is you. Well, it's my life. Oh, no. God created you. He gave you life. 
He died on the cross, paid for your sins. If you're saved this morning, he has redeemed you. You've been, you've been purchased twice. Amen. And he bought you and knew that you weren't even a good model. And he still bought you. Some of, We were on the clearance rack. And Jesus paid our sin debt with his precious blood. The first gift is a surrendered life. I would feel like this service would be a success if every person in the building today, those that are watching by live stream, if we conclude this service, if it had not been a decision that had already been made, before the conclusion of this service, every person in this building will surrender their life to God, surrender their heart to God. What does God want for me? He wants your life. That's the first thing we see. The first gift is a surrendered life. That's the entry fee to get into this club. That's why it doesn't matter if you're poor this morning. You can still get into the club if you give God your heart. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy. It doesn't matter if you tip God from time to time. If he doesn't have your heart, you can't get into this fellowship without him first. Well, what a powerful verse in verse 5. And this they did, not as we hope. But first gave their own selves to the Lord. My challenge this morning is for you and I to make sure God has our heart. Give yourself to God. Number two, this fellowship is part of the plan for getting the gospel to the world. Now stay with me on this. We look at verse 5 again. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. So they first gave their own self to the Lord. They said... I've given myself to God. Maybe you say this morning, I've given myself to God. Notice what he says. And unto us by the will of God. It is God's will for you to surrender yourself to him. It is God's will for you. In doing so, you become part of the solution. You become part of God's plan to reach the world with the gospel unto us by the will of God. Our giving goes to those who take the gospel. Boy, this is a good, good thing for us to be reminded today. If you give the missions, you put something in that offering plate, whether it's once a month or weekly or whenever you're able to do that and you've committed to do that, you put that missions offering in there. It goes to those who are preaching the gospel. Boy, our missionary to the Philippines is here this morning and, and we give to missions and we send him that support so that he can, he can live and he can get the gospel out. When you surrender to give that, you became part of the solution to, to, for somebody to get saved. Now, Christ provided the payment, but he allows us to be part of the solution. I am convinced with every part of every fiber of my being this morning, that God's people have the means to get the gospel to the world. But first of all, God's people must surrender themselves to God. And second of all, we must realize that we are part of the solution. Our giving meets the needs of other Christians. So you thought when you got saved, and that's a wonderful thing, it's the greatest thing, but that was the end of it. No, God gives you an opportunity to be a part of meeting the needs of somebody else. 
And and I'm for being being benevolent. I'm for giving. And if there's other things that you want to feel inclined to give to, go for it. But just don't give them God's money. Because this is part of the will of God for God. But think about it. We have an opportunity to meet the needs of other Christians. And the church enables those enables them, enables us to participate in getting the gospel to the world. Well, have you considered why you've been blessed? Now, this is just, this is just, this is good preaching. It's not always comfortable preaching. You consider why when others are losing their jobs, you've got a bonus recently? <laughs> it's because I'm an awesome employee. Well, you may be. Maybe God's given you an opportunity to be part of the will of God and getting the gospel to those that need it. Now, we live in America. We don't have two cars anymore. It used to be the two-car home. Now it's a 12-car home. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If God has blessed you, I believe God wants his people to enjoy his blessings. I believe that in my whole heart. I'm just asking us this morning to consider the opportunity we have to be part of the will of God in meeting the needs of somebody else. When it comes to our giving, we have an opportunity. That's why I'll use this as an illustration. We have our Preachers Delight Conference that is coming up, and we invest a lot of money into bringing these pastors in and feeding them and housing them and you say, well, I just, you know, I don't understand why we would do that. Because if you encourage one pastor who goes back to his church, encouraged, determined to continue for the cause of Christ, you've affected an entire church. Let me spell that out for you. There's a mom and dad sitting in that church in some other town that you and I will never visit who's just trying to keep it all together. You got little children that go to those nurseries, and you got little children that sit in those pews who, 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 who the only hope they have is that, that their mom and dad will love them, and there's a pastor that will pray over them, and that is the hope that they have, and, and we encourage one. Well, that's part of the solution. That's part of the will of God in the work that he has. What an honor to know that God would enable us to be part of his will. These Macedonian Christians who gave as Paul would go and take the gospel. They were part of the, that fellowship. They had a part in, in that, that work, and they were part of the solution of what he did. Friend, you and I this morning, all of these centuries later, we owe these Christians who gave to the apostle Paul, who took the gospel to the Gentile world, and we, we have a responsibility to be a people who first surrenders our heart to God, first gives him everything, but then as... He enables us to understand that we're part of the plan. How many, so many today, they're in a line of work that they never planned on being in. Or they have been blessed in ways, and I'm amazed at the testimonies as two years ago when we made our commitments to give to all the building projects. And, why, and to hear the testimonies of how God has already given so many the commitment back. Let me explain something to you about investing. And I don't have to tell many of you because you, you know. 
Financial planners will tell you when you get your investment back, reinvest it. Because what's going to happen again? Now it's going to come back bigger than when you originally put it in. And when you get that investment back, reinvest it. What's going to happen then? It's going to keep coming back. You and I must be reminded that when God blesses us, He's giving us an opportunity to be part of the will of God when it comes to getting missionaries around the world, to the work of God being a help and a blessing to other people. I say number three this morning, and I know this isn't exciting preaching, but it's, it's, it's good preaching that we need. This fellowship requires the same growth in grace. This is a great verse. Look at verse 7. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, in your love to us, see that ye abound in the grace also. A series of messages could be preached on the grace of God, but let me just say a couple of statements that we could all agree with, I would assume, this morning. Without the grace of God, we would be in trouble. It's by His grace we are saved. But it's by His grace we grow. It's by the grace of God we're here this morning. It's by the grace of God we have what we have. We, we grow in the areas, and there's a list here in this verse of Scripture, and we're reminded, and he reminds these Christians, therefore, as ye abound in everything, as God blesses you in all these different areas, and he lists in faith. You, you, you grow in your faith. You know why you can say that I've grown in faith? Not because of your wisdom, not because of your talent, but by the grace of God. And God's grace has made you what you are. As ye abound, and that abounding is talking about the overflow. It's, it's not the minimum. It's not the, 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 the necessary requirement. There's an overflow, and as you abound in your faith and utterance, that's communicating your faith in knowledge. How much more do you know about the Christian life and about the things of God today than when you first got saved? Well, you grow in your knowledge, you grow in your diligence, and in your love to us. You know, God's people are not easy to love. By your reaction, I would concur, you concur with that. Boy, I'm always amazed whenever I look at God's church and consider God's church and see what God's church is made of. People from all walks of life from all nationalities, from all backgrounds. When here we gather together around the word of God, you know what does that? God's grace. Many of us this morning would be quick to give testimony of God's grace and what it's done for us. And Paul is writing to these Christians and saying, just as God's grace was necessary, for you to grow in your faith, in your utterance, in your diligence, in your knowledge, so that ye abound in this grace also. What he's saying is, grow in this area also. 
I, as your, or your pastor, I want to remind you that you have a responsibility and you should have a desire to grow in every area of your Christian life. As the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, I do not look at everybody the same in, in the sense that everybody should be at the same level. Why? Because we're all growing. We're all growing at different paces, and some have been growing longer than others. And friend, this morning, if you're, if you're new to the church or you haven't been saved very long, let me encourage you, don't be intimidated by people you see around you. Well, they, they seem to have it all together. They don't. But they've been growing a little bit longer. You grow. And let me remind all of us, we should exhibit grace in our own life towards other Christians, and we should not, it's not up to us to determine where they should be or have, been grown, have grown to. But just as you need, well, it's, it's, it's exciting when you see, when, when you have a young man, a young lady get married, and they, they, know, they get it all figured out until they say those vows. Well, I've, I've, been, I've been married 27 and a half years, I think that's right. And uh, I look back and I was like, boy, God had to give me, had to have a lot of grace to grow. And the new, and the new, and the new parents, they, they've read every new, new uh, baby book that you can get. They've, they, 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 they've heard everything that could go they've, and analyzed all the mistakes that, that everybody has made. And they've got it all figured out until they roll mama down to the car and put that baby in that nurse's. We're done with you. It's all yours. I say, what do we do? It's amazing. The last child always seems happier than the first child. That's because mom and dad made all the mistakes on the other ones, and you get down. I know all the elder brothers right now are saying, no, it's because they're spoiled, and they get away with everything. Well, I got more reaction out of that than thinking about the goodness of God. It's a bitterness we need to get out of our hearts there. <laughs> but the fellowship requires the same growth and grace. Listen to me very carefully. According to this book, if you'll surrender yourself to God, you'll grow in your giving. Before you could ever give to God's work. Wouldn't you say we need more churches than less churches? You know what would help our city's crime rate go down? If you think if more people were in Sunday school or less, you think if there was more churches or less, you think they were more in a Christian school or less. Well, I would say that crime would go down if more God's work spread. That's the answer. So if we give ourselves to Him, we're going to give more so that we can minister to more people. And in, and in doing so, but I, you're going to have to understand something. And maybe you're uncomfortable and you say, well, I just, I'm just, I'm just, I don't, I haven't done that or I don't understand how to do that. You're going to need God's grace to do it. And just as you by one day by faith had to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put in, I'm not going to put pencil on the calendar on Sunday morning. I'm going to write pen in. This is what I'm doing every Sunday. It took God's grace for you to make that commitment. So I pray for you to have God's grace in your life as you grow. 
Because it's not about what the fellow man's doing. It's not about what your pastor's doing. It's about what God is doing in your life and giving you the grace to grow, to be closer and more like your Savior. It requires the same grace. Just as all these things require grace, giving requires God's grace. Grace grew you in other areas of living will grow you in this one as well. So I'm just living under grace. So how's your grace giving? Then number four, this is where I'll spend the last few minutes of my time. Look at me in verse number nine. I'll say number four, if we're going to be part of this fellowship of ministering to the saints, we must follow Christ's example. Verse nine, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Our Savior left heaven. You know, I, I, I often, I do this whenever there's a, a death. I do this whenever there's a funeral. I do this in my own heart and mind. I remind myself of how wonderful heaven is. And friend, if you don't know the Lord today, the only hope you have is in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a heart that I want everyone to know, know the Savior. But I can't save you. I can't twist your arm into salvation. You have your own free will have got to choose Christ for the payment of your sins. I would encourage you, I would plead with you to do that today. But I, I remind myself of what I have when I look forward to heaven. The streets are paved with gold. Think of that. The walls are made of precious jewels. The gates are of pearl. Think about that. There's a, there's, an old, there's a real estate adage, and those of you that, that are familiar with this, you'll know what I'm saying, that you don't want the nicest, most expensive house in the neighborhood. Everybody's like, yeah, we all got that covered. You want the cheapest house in the nicest neighborhood because it's going to bring your value up. But in heaven, which is an exclusive neighborhood, there's nothing but mansions there. Now, I know what I think a mansion is. I wonder if what I think a mansion is compares to what Jesus thinks a mansion is. But think about that. Jesus left the riches of heaven, clothed himself in flesh, and had a rock for a pillow in the wilderness. had no earthly address, had no place to keep his belongings because he had no belongings. Depended on the benevolence and the gifts of others so that you and I might have the riches that he gave up so that you and I could have salvation. Think about what Jesus did for you. He paid for your sins. Jesus, is the, his sacrifice is the only sacrifice that God the Father would or could ever accept as payment for man's sins. 
Jesus willingly laid down his life so that you and I can rejoice in forgiveness. You and I can have the burden of our own sins and the payment for our sins removed from us so that we can have heaven to look forward to. But for the pastor to encourage you to tithe, that's just a little bit too much, isn't it? Well, maybe I'll tithe, but I just don't know about that giving extra to the missions, Pastor. That does not reconcile with a t-shirt or a hashtag on social media that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. It does not reconcile with, I surrender all. Because Jesus, it's there in verse number 9, though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor so that ye through his poverty might be rich. Here, and I'll just, I'll let each man each person here today answer this. How is your giving to the, how is your being part of the fellowship of the ministering of the saints compared to the sacrifice that Christ made? See, Pastor, are, are, you, are you saying that we should give everything so that we're in poverty? That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying Christ set the standard that you and I should follow. And Christ was not like a lot of Christians. It's like, well, I, I just don't want to have a hardship. I don't want to have a, 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 a I don't want to make the sacrifice, friend. If we, we, can't, we can't have it both ways. I hope we see this this morning. You can't complain about the, the way our nation is going and then be stingy with the solution. It's a statistic that so many quote that the average American spends more on dog food than they give to missions. And then we want to complain that the, the church isn't doing what it's supposed to do and the gospel is not what it is anymore. No, we have not followed the example of Christ. He left everything so that you and I might be saved. Friend, I would encourage you this morning to, if you've yet to do it, choose salvation. Realize that you're a sinner. Without Christ, you must pay for your sins in that eternal place, horrible place called hell. But through salvation, through Christ, through faith in Christ and what he did on Calvary, his finished work, you can have forgiveness of sins, you can have eternal life, you can have a home in heaven. I would encourage you, after you've done that, if you've done that this morning, I would encourage you to evaluate, not the person sitting next to you, not the person in front of you, behind you, your own heart, your own life. Have you surrendered it all to him? Does God have everything? And we, we, we can, we, we're doing it in the focus of giving to the work of God this morning. But does he have your marriage? Does he have your children? Does he have your dreams? Does he have your finances? Does he have everything? 
Oh, we read of the martyrs for Christ and say, oh, say, I, I, I would, I would, we, need to, we need to take a stand. We need to, no, we need to obey the word of God. That's taking a stand. Does he have our heart? If he has our heart, he'll even have our stand. Friend, may we be reminded this morning that the problems you see in this world, God has given us the ability. I, I'm pleading with all of us this morning, and, and, I, and, I, and I preface the whole message this morning is I'm not real sure why the Lord put this on my heart and mind because this is a giving church. This is a church that makes sacrifices. This is a church that when every time I come to you and say, hey, this brother or this, this situation, people we don't even know say, couldn't you give to it? You always give to it, and you, and, you give, and you give cheerfully. I know who I'm preaching to this morning. I just want to remind us, and if you haven't got on board with God's plan, we have a solution for the world's problems, and we can give and, and minister to others, and God blesses that. The blessings that we have are because God has blessed us. And friend, this morning, I don't want you to look at this message as a chastisement. It's not. But it's a plea to allow the grace of God to work in your heart and life so that you can have a part in the supernatural work that God is doing. You say, well, I, I, I'd like to do something to serve the Lord, but, but, but I can't get up there and sing. But you can have a part in supporting the work of God. Well, this morning, may we decide that we are going to surrender everything and may we be part of the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. You know, it, we should do it because Christ is worthy. But you know it does Warm your heart and give a blessing when you know that you've made a difference in the life of somebody else. That you've made a difference in the work of God. Friend, it's, I'm not the first one to say it won't be the last. When you see a hearse going to the cemetery, there's no moving truck behind it. Let me add to that. Those that have lived exactly what the scriptures admonish us to live, they don't need a moving truck because it's already in heaven waiting on them. There's a lot of fellowships that I'm really not interested in being a part of. This is one that every Christian ought to desire to have a part. And might I add, Every Christian can have a part. And we can all have a part when we say, well, I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want him to have my heart. I want to be part of the solution this morning. Very simply, we'll go to invitation and we'll be, we'll be through with the service. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? If you have not, let me just very quickly, heaven's a real place, but so is hell. And only Jesus, only through Christ do we have forgiveness of sins. You can't have forgiveness of sins. If you follow the Lord, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior and you've never been scripturally baptized, you need to follow the Lord in scriptural baptism. That's the first step of obedience. And friend, this morning, if you've been saved and scripturally baptized, 
It is God's plan, is the will of God for every child of God to be part of a local church serving Him. I would encourage many today well, to unite with the Emmanuel Baptist Church so that we can do more for the cause of Christ. As we join with the church and we're part of that fellowship, there's an opportunity for us to be a part of getting the gospel around the world. As we know and we've known for those of you that have been here for decades and some of the more of our ministries get going and I share more and more what God is enabling us to do, we're going to realize that we have a part that others do not have in getting the gospel to places that others do not have the opportunity. It thrills me to know that we, while we're having a gospel witness here, we're part of having a gospel witness in Africa, we had men in Chile. We have others in the Andes Mountains. So what is that? That's an opportunity for us to get the gospel so that souls can be saved. And say, Pastor, that backpacking in the Andes Mountains to get the gospel it doesn't sound good to me. Me neither. Let's give an offering so we can send somebody else. But there's a part that you and I can have. And I do believe, as our brother alluded to when he prayed for the offering, that we're going to bump into others in heaven. We're going to have the knowledge that they got the gospel as a result. So why would God reveal that to us? Because it was right there in the scripture. It says you're part of the will of God. In having a part. Friend, consider these truths this morning and may the Lord direct your next steps. Father, we